Hi, this is Stefan Nilsson of Unisot, the revolutionary Web3 supply chain sustainability platform. I'm on the edge of NFT, the podcast that brings you all the best intel of blockchain revolution. Keep listening. Hey, NFT Curious listeners, stay tuned for today's episode to learn why supply chain on the blockchain may not be sexy, but it might be the most malleable element of blockchain out there today. And how today's guest knows for certain who Satoshi Nakamoto is. And how Moonbirds is going Hollywood by signing with a world-class talent agency. All this and more on today's episode. And finally, NFTLA 2022 was a blast. It was also a blast off in a giant plume of bright burning rocket fuel, Web3, NFTs, blockchain, decentralization, and a suite of immersive new tech developments that have just exploded onto the canvas of life. Outer Edge is the theme of this year's event, dedicated to those of you building with us at the Outer Edges, making the future happen. The community-centric gathering returns to Los Angeles March 20th to the 23rd to uplift creators and technologists through interactive experiences, a wide variety of discussions and presentations, and entertaining surprises that transport participants to the outer edge of what's possible when we co-create a new paradigm, embracing the decentralized web, artificial intelligence, extended reality, and more. To register to attend or learn how to co-create an experience on the outer edge, head over to OuterEdge.Live. The event is being organized by The Edge of Company and us founders of The Edge of NFT Podcast. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger. The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features Stefan Nilsson, co-founder and CEO of Unisoc, the first enterprise public blockchain solution that makes supply chains more transparent, efficient, and sustainable through global traceability. Stefan has 30 years of professional and international IT experience 20 years of technical SAP experience and five years experience as a mechanical automation engineer and technical instructor. Unisat is a revolutionary Web3 supply chain sustainability platform built on over 30 years of experience from enterprise business integrations, aiming to change the way global supply chains operate. It emerged from the well-established business processes in enterprise resource planning systems like SAP and is revolutionizing the field. Stefan, it's a pleasure to have you here on Edge of NFT for this special sponsored episode. Welcome. Yeah, thank you very much. Looking forward to have a chat with you guys and talk about NFTs. Awesome. Well, you guys are helping leverage these P2P blockchain benefits and making services more traceable. So can you explain exactly how that works and how it came into being? Yeah, sure. So I have, uh, as you read there, I don't have 30 plus 20 plus five. I think I started working in the 80s. So I have like 35 years experience. So I'm not 100 years old <laughs> yet. <laughs> but let's say for the last 20 years, I've been working as an SAP integration architect. SAP, the biggest ERP system, backend system that all big companies are using. And 
I was then working in building interfaces between companies who have SAP to their customers and clients and suppliers and other partners in the supply chain. So I've always been working with this kind of integration one way or another. And I realized that after a couple of years in that profession, I came back to the same customers over and over again to rebuild the interface because they have changed the supplier or they have changed the distribution partner or something. So I have to go in there again, uh, design a new interface, testing, firewalls, permissions, and all of this. I mean, that could take like uh, from a couple of weeks to a couple of months. Very expensive and time-consuming and so on, and unsecure. So what that leads to is that companies today are actually not exchanging as much information as they could. It's not like we humans, we can use Facebook and Twitter and Google and all of that and exchange tons of information back and forth. Companies do that. They need secure communication. So then I thought about that. There must be a better way than to build point-to-point interfaces between systems. So then I read this white paper from a strange guy called Satoshi Nakamoto about Bitcoin and blockchain. And I got this blow-my-mind event that, wow, what if we could use this decentralized blockchain as a global data layer for every company in global supply chains? where they can connect without having to ask permission to anyone, but connect to this data layer and exchange information on that. So then back in 2014, I got an opportunity for a new job in Norway. So I'm from Sweden myself and got this opportunity for a job in Norway. And when I went to an interview for this job here, I was talking a lot about how I wanted to integrate this SAP system with public blockchain. And they had no idea what blockchain was and needed this SAP or anyone else, more or less. But I got a job. So I took the family, moved to Norway, and started working on a proof of concept where I built a vending machine home in my garage here, a wooden box with a Raspberry Pi computer on it, a touchscreen, and the two servers. So I could actually pay with Bitcoin to that machine. And then I got a box of sweet out. But the interesting thing was I had also built a module inside of SAP that was connecting to the blockchain and monitoring when I paid to this machine with a Bitcoin, I got the box of sweet out, but then SAP created a sales order. And SAP also kept track of the magazine level in that vending machine. So when the magazine went to empty, SAP created a replenishment order. Mm. So by doing that, I proved to myself that I could actually integrate this super centralized SAP system with this super decentralized blockchain. And I worked on that for a couple of years on my free time and holidays and so on. And after a while, I realized that, yeah, I have a solution here. I have something I can go to market with. So I quit my job at Ernst Young and I got some funding and built a team. And then we built this platform that is then called Unisot. And the wow. Unisot is a short for universal source of truth. It's a grand name, but we actually see this public blockchain as the universal source of truth that every company can use. So what we do is we work like a kind of, just like you have an internet service provider where you can connect to internet. We are more like a blockchain service provider where we can connect companies, business systems or production system or accounting system to this public blockchain. So this is how we started. And that's now what we are providing in this yeah. and this is yeah, pretty... I can keep it short here and then you have more questions, I guess. So Yeah, no, it's impressive. And I can imagine your neighbors coming over and saying, hey, man, you built the machine. You can get it out. You don't have to pay Bitcoin. 
for your thing. And you're, meanwhile, you're revolutionizing supply chain management. And I'm also just curious from perspective of just fun with the project. Did you actually have raspberry pies in yeah. there as the sweet? Yeah, yeah. It was no, a... the, as the actual sweet that you could eat. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah, I get that misunderstanding sometimes. No, it was a Raspberry Pi computer. Right, like an Arduino. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it was a small box of sweet that no this is really <laughs> This is really impressive and fun. Yeah, I kind of wish you were my neighbor. Yeah, it was really just... fun to actually, the first time I actually was able to, I was sitting on my desk having all this Raspberry Pi computer connected to some small servers and, and stuff. And when I then made a Bitcoin payment, waited two seconds, and then suddenly my server was moving. And then, wow, it works. <laughs> That's cool. And then connecting that, building the module in SAP and getting that to get work together. So now I had this SAP, I had a vending machine that I called an autonomous machine and the blockchain. And, and just to get all of that work was just really mind-blowing time for me, which awesome. now has resulted in the three companies that you see there. Big deal. Indeed. And this is like one of those use cases we like to talk about when we say, God, there's so many cool things happening on the blockchain. And it's not a sexy one, really, right? It's not the one that's going to get the glitz I and glamour. I think it's sexy, but... Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's not the one that they're going to cover in the press normally. But gosh, it's like one of the best use cases, right? So it's not, It does it's a little bit, not my problem, but that I think <laughs> you get so much press for all of these bored monkeys and yeah. that stuff. Sure. And here I'm working my off and yeah. I have her like world revolutionizing thing that actually is helping yeah. the world to make a supply chain more sufficient or mm -hmm. efficient and yeah. nobody talks about it <laughs> i know i know but we do on the show you know yeah. and here or there we Appreciate do, we do that, try to yeah. elevate and of course we're happy to talk to you and there's one part of your vision here that we want to dive into a little bit more and that's the idea of this being a zero barrier to entry like what does that mean to you and how will that impact yeah. kind of the future of your work yeah so since I worked as this integration architect helping company to integrate, I realized that we have to make a system that is very, very easy and cost-efficient to connect to. Normal companies are not interested in putting up a node, running a node, or putting together a consortium with other companies and try to decide about consensus mechanism and that thing. They don't care about that. They have a problem that they need to solve their efficiency in the supply chain or the food security or product security. So they don't care about that. So what we mean with this zero barrier of entry is that it should be super simple and super quick and super cheap to just start connecting your system to the blockchain. So what we have is that we have a plugin to like SAP. So since I started building this in SAP, now I have taken out the main system. So that's now a system by itself. But I still have this module in SAP. So when we come to a customer who has an SAP system, we just say, okay, here's a plugin, plug it into your system. Now you're connected to blockchain. Done. So it's done in a couple of hours. And then we can extend on that on what functionality and, and so they want to use and how they want to exchange information with other companies. Yeah, so making it easy, right? The easy button. That's the easy always... button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The easy button. Just a plugin. Here you are. You're done. That's it. What tools does Unisot use to offer access to reliable and secure this universal source of truth so that all parties can tap into that and handle the challenges? Yeah. So as I said, the plugin that we have for SAP, we also started working on a plugin for Microsoft. And of course, we realized that we cannot build plugin for all systems. That's our goal, to have plugins for every single system out there, but that's going to take too long. So we are looking for partners 
like consulting partners who are already working with like Oracle or some other system that our customers are using and build these plugins together with them. Other things that we have is, of course, we have an API. So company can connect just with the API. So we are selling the services either as a software as a service, SaaS service, or a platform as a service where they connect to the backend API. And we also have an SDK that company can use to connect our system, but to the blockchain. So we have an API with a number of blockchain functionalities mm. where we then can create what we call smart digital twins, which actually is uh, NFT technology, but maybe a more advanced way. Right. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. We've heard that phrase, digital twins, used here or there in lieu yeah. of, of NFTs. Like, talk to us about that a little bit. Like, How does that impact your work? Yeah. So digital twin is an old term that has been used in SAP and other big systems before in the construction industry and everything that you create a digital twin in a database, or in our case, we, we create a digital twin of a physical object in the blockchain. But because we are using the public blockchain where we can do, use uh, smart contracts, we call it smart digital twin because we can put in some scripting in there. I don't like the term smart contract because they are not smart and they are not contracts. They are actually just a script that executes some payments or yeah, you can actually run whole programs there. So we call them smart digital twins because we're also trying to stay away from the NFT craze with the crypto industry. So that's exactly a big problem for us when we go out to companies and we are describing here you have a system that can make your supply chain much more efficient. We are cost efficient and so on. And then when they start asking us how we do this and we talk about blockchain, and then it comes up directly, crypto, blockchain, NFT, and all these craze. So then we have to spend some time just to explain what all of this is. It's not crypto. It's not NFTs. It's actually something else. And so that's why we call it smart digital twins right. instead of NFT, because it raises so many questions. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating and it's really useful to kind of have perspectives like this, right? Because whether we think it's sexy or not, right? I also mm -hmm. find it really exciting, right? I could imagine <laughs> myself, I'm building this thing in my garage. I got the Raspberry Pi and everybody's like, what's that? But the thing about it is that despite the controversies around blockchain, the reason you're selling this to people is not because of this blockchain. It's in spite of it, right? Because there's a business use case exactly. that is exactly. undeniable. Like people would not yeah. be paying for this unless it was saving them money or making their business more efficient or generating them money, right? Exactly. So it's very great. For our customer, it doesn't really matter if it's a blockchain or whatever we are using in the backend, but it's just the characteristics and the functionality that this global public blockchain can provide is, that was my dream before I really thought about blockchain. So I thought, the dream scenario in an enterprise world with supply chains and so should just be to have one central global database that everybody connected up to. So everybody had the same data in this central database. But a lot of companies have been trying to do that. SAP, Microsoft, Oracle, IBM, everybody has been trying to build this centralized data system or database where everybody connects up to. But provably, it hasn't worked for the last 10 years. And they did the same mistake with trying to implement private blockchains. So specifically IBM, now with TradeLens and their system, as they are trying to put in a private blockchain. I used to say that there is no such thing as a private blockchain. If you have a private blockchain, it is just a replicated database with a fancy replication mechanism. It's just a replicated database, point. A blockchain, per definition, has to be public. And that was the invention that Satoshi Nakamoto 
presented to us to have this distributed database, but it is public. And that is the security that it is public, that nobody can go back and change anything. So there we are. Like you're calling it, it's universal source of truth, right? That's why you can have that via yeah. the public nature of it. So we have this term supply chain sustainability. I know about supply chains. I know about sustainability. But what does this full term entail and how are you making use of it? Yeah. So if you look at supply chain, so often people think supply chain is some truck driving around, but actually supply chain is everything. It's everything you own, your clothes, your electronics, your computer, your food, everything that you haven't grown in your garden or built in your garage comes from a supply chain. Someone produced it, someone transported it, someone changed it, someone stored it, someone sold it. So there's always this huge supply chain of different companies working together. And chain is also actually a bad word because it's not like one chain. It's a whole network, just like blockchain is a whole network. So supply chain sustainability, actually every supply chain today, where we think from seed to plate or from fish to plate or the whole line, has a global efficiency of less than 20%. 80% is waste in any supply chain today. And the best country in this is China. They are the best. They are on 20%. Second best country is, of course, Germany on 17%, 1.7. Rest of the world's supply chains have less efficiency than 17%, which means 80, 85, 90% is waste in any supply chain. As we know with food, 50% mm. of all food that is created is destroyed or not used. Right. Can we break this down a little bit? So like just all of the places where you lose that efficiency. I mean, I'm thinking of that, but I'd love for you with more expertise in this. I'm thinking like there's packaging, right? I've got mm -hmm. packaging, mm -hmm. I've got gas, I've got even just the time and energy of someone putting it in the packaging, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. unloading it for the packaging. And, oh, I shipped this head of broccoli and nobody's going to eat that stem. They're just going to cut it off and throw it in the compost or whatever. So am I coming up with all the right ingredients there? Or are there others that I'm missing when we think about number that goes in that efficiency? So if we're talking food, there is a lot of waste. Like you said, fruit and vegetables and everything, the bad part is cut away or the whole thing is too bad. So they throw it away. So we produce so much food that it's crazy. But actually, I think the biggest problem is because every company today is very efficient efficient by themselves. But every company today are working with blinders. They only get information from their immediate customer supplier, and they give information to the immediate customer. Outside of that, they have no idea what's happening. It's just a black universe out there. So I can be a producer, and I don't know what's going to hit me because I only get information from my immediate supplier. I don't have information from his supplier and his supplier and his supplier. And the same thing, if I can make a product that has the super good quality, but I only have control of this quality until it leaves my warehouse and comes onto a truck and so on. So I have no idea what happens there. And this is exactly where we can help with the global public blockchain is that by this kind of system, I can now as a producer of a product, I can subscribe to information from a supplier, 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 and I can follow my product through this distribution and supply chain and so on, this transport. So a good example is since we are based in Norway, we built this solution called Seafood Chain where then for the seafood industry. And let's say you, have, you can be a very good producer of Norwegian salmon. It can be the top quality in your warehouse. But then if you send it out with an airplane to Asia or somewhere, or Japan or so, 
maybe this cargo is standing on, on a hot airport for four hours and you have no idea and half of it is rotten when it comes to the destination. By using our system, you can actually integrate IoT sensors. So we put uh, IoT sensors on the fish boxes, for example, which it's registered the temperature all the way. So now a producer can have control of their temperature on the cargo the whole way, even when it have, have left their physical control, but they still have digital control of that. So yeah. what's missing today is the communication between companies that does not exist or is very, very right. little. Yeah. And blockchain can absolutely have, help with that. So what we provide with our solution with the public blockchain is two things. So I mentioned this data layer, the global data layer that the blockchain is. The second thing we provide is actually monetization of information. So we can allow a company now to start selling and buying micro information from microtransactions. So they can start selling like one temperature or one location or one weight for tens of a cent or one cent or hundreds of a cent to anyone else in the supply chain where, who could benefit from that information. So now you have both the data layer and the economic incentive to actually start exchanging information. And by doing that, we can make supply chain much more efficient. So a dream should be just to make supply chain like 5 or 10% more efficient by this technology. That would save so much money and energy and exhaust and everything for the world that it's credible. Yeah, man, that's a, so much waste. I had no idea. Yeah, no, how... me neither before. It's, it's incredible. Wow, that is nuts. So one of these things we've been kind of circling it is you know, we're talking about blockchain and one of the kind of core tenants here is transparency accessibility, immutability. But by the same token, we're talking about a space where in some instances, privacy really matters. Of course, yes. accuracy yes. matters. And so how do you balance these needs with the underlying nature of blockchain? Right. Yeah. Really good question because there's a lot of misunderstanding here. A lot of people think that if we are using a public blockchain, they think, oh, all information is public. No, not correct. Just like we are all right now, we are using internet. But yeah, the, the internet is public, but the stream we have now can only be seen by us. So we have an encrypted communication here. So we do the, exactly the same thing. We are using the public blockchain because it's the most secure. It has been online up and running for 14 years. It's the most cost-efficient system. But on top of that, we are building a permission business system or business layer on top of that. So all communication is controlled by the actor who put the information out there. So every actor in the supply chain, they now own and control their own data. So they can decide, they can share some information with the end customer. They can share some information with their logistic distributor. They can share some information with the government or some controlling instance. And they can put a price on that information. So they can give some for free for the consumer, but the distributor has to pay a couple of cents for something. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, as we talked through about the efficiency of the chain, it goes in both directions, I would assume, from what you said. So like if you have a product and you're sending it out, you can sort of have a handle on what's happening to it before it gets to the consumer and how it represents your brand, to be honest, right? But then there's the reverse. Yeah. If I have a product that I'm building and I'm sourcing components from various places, and I want to know exactly where they came from and what that process was like, I can see that really can help with accountability. Exactly. Yes. And we got now in Europe, they have the Supply Chain Due Diligence Act. So every company in EU must have this traceability. 
So that fits us very good, actually, Mm -hmm. because we have the solution for this. We got it in law here in Norway in June, July last year, but it comes into law in different... It's already in Germany, France, Netherlands, and some other countries. So every country in Europe must have this traceability. There also comes a new law now about something called a digital product passport. So every product must have a QR code where you can scan it and you can get this digital product passport where you get all the history, the ingredients, the sustainability, how much CO2 it has emitted and all of these things. And that's exactly what we are providing. So since we are talking about NFTs here and we have our smart digital twin technology, so what we are doing is that we are creating this smart digital twin in the blockchain for a batch of a product from, let's say, a raw material. And then what we can do is to this smart digital twin, we can add information. So what kind of product, where was it created? What was the energy consumption? What's the quality? Who did it? Pictures, videos, certificates, and all of that. And then when this product is physically sold to another actors in the supply chain, the smart digital twin is also transferred ownership to this new owner. Now this new actor in the supply chain, when they are processing this product, they now continue adding information on what they did, how much energy, how much diesel or fertilizer they used or whatever they did. And, and so we do in every step in the supply chain. So in the end, or let's say at the consumer state, they can just scan a QR code and then we trace back all these digital twins. All this information comes out as a digital product passport where you can prove legally actually from, because we are using the blockchain, all this data is digitally signed by every actor that puts that in there. So it's liable information. So what comes out as a digital product passport is actually liable information. Mm. This is amazing. Yeah. You mentioned the seafood chain, and that's mm-hmm. something you've been building and working on, continuing to develop. Any other projects you have in the pipeline or anything more you can tell us about seafood chain and how that's growing? Yeah. So we created Unisot, the platform. So we just call it an enterprise blockchain platform then. And we realized that, oh, this can be used in all in every industry needs this functionality. So I decided we have to focus on one industry just to prove that this system is working. And since we are in Norway and seafood, I thought at the time that oh, seafood is a little Norwegian market here. So that's a small little market I could test. Little did I know that it's not a small little Norwegian market. It's actually, actually a multi-billion dollar global seafood market. It's gigantic. So I was... Luckily, a blue-eyed entrepreneur just diving into this gigantic market. And we implemented this with a couple of seafood companies and proved that, yeah, we can trace everything. So now we split or we divide it out to other industries. So we mostly are still in the food industry because food is there and close to our, our hearts because food is everything. If we don't have healthy food, nothing else is working. So we have clients now that are tracing agriculture, so called local to local, so locally produced food to local customers in a reverse marketplace way. So customers can buy products from the farmer before they actually have created the food, but still proving quality, proving sustainability and all of that. We have some other customers who are tracing physical art, like paintings and sculptures, by putting on a small, uh, called a crypto anchor. That's nothing with cryptocurrency to do, but It's a small drop of epoxy with diamond dust and magnetic dust in there. And when this drop of epoxy hardens, the diamond dust and the magnetic dust just hardens in a unique formation. So when you read that with the camera, 
you get like a unique code from that. So you can now trace like a painting through the whole supply chain. Who made it? Who was the artist? Who ordered it? What kind of paint? What kind of frame? What everything around that? And follow it out through the ateliers and museums. And even out on the digital side, because now they digitize the picture as well. Not like the bored ape, but actually like a real one piece digital information that people then can buy and sell and have the digital rights to. Mm-hmm. So super interesting there. And yeah. of course, we are then continuing with mentioning Abendum here. It's a third company that we have started up now where we are working with something called triple entry accounting. And this is actually one of the first thing that Satoshi patented. So triple entry accounting is for an auditing is just like it sounds. It's like when you do accounting in a company today, you use double entry accounting because you have debit and credit. So two parties who exchange or buy something with each other, they put in their different accounting system, debit and credit and credit and debit. What we now provide is that in the middle, we put the blockchain as a third ledger. So they book debit, credit, and a third ledger, and they book credit and debit and a third ledger. And now we have this third ledger where we can now verify that if I actually send an invoice on $1,000 to you, now it says also in the blockchain that it is $1,000. So you cannot manipulate or say it was $900 or $1,100. We have a centralized, decentralized store where we now have the common value here. So now we are building a system around this where we can actually do auditing. So every big company has to do audit every year where an auditor comes in, goes through manually through your accounting to verify, and they are calling to your customers and your suppliers to verify, did you really send this and did you really pay this? But instead of doing that manually, now we can automate that thanks to the blockchain. So we can really do auditing in real time and automatic thanks to the blockchain. And that's also, we are the only one in the world actually doing this at the moment. There is some companies are trying to do triple entry accounting in other ways, but we are the first one who actually have an implementation that uses the public blockchain to do this. So last year, or actually, yeah, it's a new year. And so 2021, we were in the Norwegian financial authorities. They had a fintech sandbox. So this is like the SEC for America, Norway's SEC. So this sandbox, we were there for a year. And what we did there was to present our solution for triple entry accounting. And we had a discussion for a year, doing a year. So we got a lot of good feedback back there, which resulted in that we made a, from a first version MVP, we now have the second version with the input from the authorities. And we actually got verified that, yes, we can actually use this public blockchain for audit evidence. And that's a super, super important thing that Norwegian Financial Authority has approved that Yes, we can use the blockchain as audit evidence. That means that now the accountants can start using it. Now auditors can start using it. And when it's approved in Norway, these audit rules are international. So now it can be used everywhere. So we actually have a lot of CPAs from America calling us because they are super interested in this. And now Yet again, we, another yeah. super exciting industry, right? Yes, it is <laughs> super interesting. <laughs> it's the thing. This is the stuff that is the foundation, right, of everything that we do. It's the back end. As NFTs are to Web3 and the metaverse, right, fundamental accounting and supply chain management is to really everything that we consume in the world, yes. every service we offer, every product yeah. we create. 
yeah, there's so much foundational stuff to it. But again, it doesn't get that much attention because Mm -hmm. it's just not as sexy Mm -hmm. as some of these other projects happening. But this Mm -hmm. is so interesting. And it's one that's been on our our radar for a long time. We talk about it, as I said, you know, very frequently. We really appreciate you breaking down all the details here for us. That's very, very important work that you're doing. We want to ask this last question for this segment. And that is really just when you look around the space, blockchain in general, Web3, everything that's happening right now, like what projects inspire you? That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> there is so much misinformation and so much misunderstanding about what blockchain is, how it works. And there is so many implementations, all these altcoins, as it's called. And I would say there are not many other systems out there that actually can inspire more than actually the original, original protocol from Satoshi Nakamoto, which did work from starts which can do smart contracts, which can do uh, tokens, which is scalable, which is cost efficient and all of that. So I see all of these other blockchain as noise and as marketing stunts and the pump and dump schemes. So there is not much actually, unfortunately, not much out there to look at. So what I'm looking at is other companies in the space that we are that are using this blockchain, the original blockchain from Satoshi Nakamoto. So there is a lot of interesting projects going on with social media, music industry. Yeah, all different kinds of gaming is very, very big because a lot of gaming companies have come from Ethereum because it doesn't scale to this blockchain. And I think the biggest one we have now is CryptoFight, making millions of transactions per day. So I'm mostly looking into that space. Yeah, gaming is really interesting. Lots of moving pieces there. We have some gaming partners that we do some collaborations with right. yeah. as well. Yeah. So near and dear to our hearts. But again... So- I would shoot out to them that if they need a blockchain that is actually scaling, mm. that is actually secure and actually very cost efficient, there is a blockchain doing that. And that's the one we are using. So. Yeah. This was great. We really appreciate all the ins and outs of Venusat and everything you're working on. And thanks for explaining to our listeners all the details there, because it's, again, not something that's easily understood. And I think you conveyed it very simply. And then also mm-hmm. something that's just not, people don't talk about enough. <laughs> so yeah. we do appreciate that. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better, barbecued or deep fried? <laughs> Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because Blockchain Training Alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy. If you're into those sorts of things, Blockchain Training Alliance is a top leader in the field, counting among its clients IBM, Microsoft, Disney, Morgan Stanley, and many more, and offering a wide array of technical and non-technical courses. Whether you're a computer neophyte training for an incredible career in this new space, or a coding expert honing your skills, Blockchain Training Alliance will help you steer your ship home safely, filled with treasure. (laughs) Arg. So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOF for 50% off and start your next block today. But we do want to shift gears a little bit and learn some more about you personally. And it's a segment that we call our Edge Quick Hitters. Again, it's just a fun and quick way to get to know you a little better. We're looking Mm -hmm. for short and straightforward answers, but we may dive a little bit deeper here or there. Are you ready to go? Yeah, sure. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Question number one, what's the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? It's a Commodore 64. 
That dates me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's awesome. Is there any chance you got that thing sitting around somewhere? Still? I have. I have it in my garage. Oh, Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm never getting rid of that. That's such yeah. a wonderful thing. I have the cassette deck. I have the disk drive. Oh, uh, I have yeah. a printer and all of that. So it has wow. been standing on in my garage in the attic for many, many years now. So I have no idea if it still works, but I still have it. Yes. And some manuals and all of that. So... <laughs> What a great, yeah, what a great yeah, thing to have. Okay, question number two. What's the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Yeah, so to buy my Commodore 64, I sold my electric guitar. So I was playing guitar and yeah, getting bored of that. And oh, I want that computer. That sounds interesting. So I sold that one and I bought the Commodore 64. So that's See, my two. <laughs> there's this movie of your life, this alternate history where you become like Jimi Hendrix and you didn't sell the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> nice. I still can play one thing uh, or one yeah. short theme on guitar and that's Smoke Underwater. All right. That's all I can Classic. play. <laughs> that's all right. Hey, well, next time we'll break out the guitar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Question number three. What's the most recent thing you purchased? Actually, I purchased a sunset sensor. So for my home automation, I moved to a new house a couple of months ago. So I need my lamps to go on and off when the lights goes up and down. So yeah, this small thing that I connect to my home automation system. Let me ask you a question because you're taking all of this stuff so seriously. <laughs> I don't do the home automation stuff right now. And part of it is because I'm paranoid about like the Google things listening to me. And, like, the I, I don't have, thing. I have no Google things at all. What do you use? Like, do you, is there like a standard system? Is it only available in, in, yeah, in the Nordic it's, countries? It's, yeah, it's some home automation system, but not connected to Google. Okay. Uh, I'm absolutely never going to do that. <laughs> I don't want to have a, I have my phone standing here uh, all the time, of course, but I don't want to have a Google microphone listening to everything, single thing I'm doing. So not doing that. <laughs> all right. And it definitely is. Cool. <laughs> All right, question number four, what is the most recent thing you sold? Yeah, since we moved, we were selling a lot of things. And I think the last thing I sold was a laminate cutter. So it's a tool where you could laminate for your flooring. Oh, so, got it. Okay. Yeah. So That's you, cool. You, yeah. First laminate cutter to make it into edge quick hitters. That's yes. for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not very sexy either. <laughs> no, hey, it's all good. I'm trying to um, sell my car as well. So electric yeah. car, but... Right, I haven't got right. it sold yet. So. Got it. Yeah. Well, the laminate cutter, you know, is clearly in high demand. <laughs> Question five. What's your most prized possession? That would be my Tesla, Tesla Model S mm. that I bought when I moved to Norway because electric cars here is very common and you get a very good price. It's almost cheaper to buy an electric car here than a gasoline car. Really? Wow. So, of course, yeah, I bought a Tesla and I mean, that, it's the best car I ever had and I really love it. Do you experiment with like auto, what is it called? Autopilot? What's Autopilot? That? Yeah. yeah. It works wonderful. It's Does incredible. It? Yeah. I haven't had the pleasure yet of driving a Tesla, but it's on my list soon. Autopilot. It's wonderful. Uh, my wife is from Belgium. So mm. we are driving down to Belgium rather often. And that's really wonderful when you drive on long highways and autobahn and so on, just to put in the autopilot and you can relax a little bit more than normal. You have to be there. You have control of the car, but you don't have to be super concentrated all the time. So you're not right. smoking anything while you're doing that? No, 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 no. <laughs> I am, I'm never, nah, I shouldn't say, I'm actually smoking cigars 
but i'm not smoking any anything okay. else no all right, that's <laughs> there good. we go that's positive. good to establish that <laughs> <laughs> all right next question question six so if you could buy anything in the world like digital physical service an experience that's currently for sale what would that be that's a super hard question i have no idea maybe for efficiency maybe a helicopter or a private jet that should be nice but I mean, if I could buy anything, I should think of something more grandiose thing to help the world. But let's say a helicopter. That should be very fun. <laughs> that, yeah, it could be fun. Yeah, that's all. That's all we're looking at. And that at. could take that's me cool. quicker to different places. So. Indeed, it can. Cool. Question seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? My stubbornness. and <laughs> <laughs> uh, Honesty. I think yeah. honesty is super important. And that's what our whole company line is, work on transparency and honesty in mm -hmm. products and everything. So honesty, absolutely, yes. Right on. Great one for sure. Question eight. I don't believe if, you. I think you're lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Procrastination. Mm. Sometimes I have a tendency to procrastinate things and don't, instead of doing it directly, I wait a little bit and... That could go away, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one, I think. Yeah. Hey, I, I would say that could be very inspirational to myself and our listeners. If somebody like you who's accomplished as much has issues with procrastination, then anybody can achieve anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's you. a great point. Yeah, we all struggle, right? Very cool. Okay, question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I've been listening both yesterday and the whole day today to Bitcoin Masterclass with the creator of Bitcoin. And who's the creator? But Satoshi Nakamoto? Yeah, or are we Satoshi talking about Nakamoto, other people yes. on there? Yeah. Oh, so, Satoshi Nakamoto. Yes. Yeah. So somebody's speaking? He's speaking in this? Or how's tell yeah, us more about he, this class? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had the class the whole day yesterday and today. Yes. Oh man. Okay. Well, there's some. You don't know, you don't know who it is? We don't know who it we is. We have to dive in there. Yeah. It's, it's public information. It has been out there since 2015. Is that right? Yeah. Is there another name that we should know? Yeah. His name is Craig Stephen Wright. Okay. He's an oh, Australian okay. guy living in UK right now. He has been an auditor for BDO. But yeah, that's very controversial, but I'm 100% sure, 110% sure that he is Satoshi Nakamoto. 110. Wow. That is definitely a controversial position, but one that yeah, sounds, I mean, very, very confident. And yeah, that's amazing. What I'm doing, I'm very pragmatic. Yeah. I'm building an enterprise system. Mm -hmm. I need a blockchain that works. Yeah. I don't care which blockchain we are using. I just need scalability, security, cost efficiency, and that it's legal and so on. Right, right. Energy efficient. efficient. So course. the only blockchain I can find out there, and I looked at all of them, and it's the original blockchain, Bitcoin blockchain from Satoshi Nakamoto. And I'm not talking about the BTC. Mm -hmm. BTC is a free copy of that, mm. but the original protocol with unlimited block size. We are today doing four gigabyte blocks and so on. And if you're listening to what he's saying and you're reading his papers and you're actually testing the technology, you see it works. And he's the only guy who can actually present this and can actually explain how things are working. So I don't really care if he is the Satoshi synonym or not, mm -hmm. but he is the guy who invented Bitcoin. Absolutely. Wow. I'm 100% sure. Or 110, it, as I said, yeah. 110, for sure. And yeah. I got to ask, is there something in particular, is his in-depth understanding about the inner workings of Bitcoin that yes. convince you of that? Yes. Yeah. I encourage people to go to YouTube 
and look for the theory of Bitcoin. It's a YouTube series of, I don't know how many, but I think it's 50 hours, 40 hours, 50 hours of different YouTube series where mm -hmm. a guy, Ryanek Scholz, is interviewing Craig Stephen Wright about every single sentence in the white paper, mm -hmm. about every single question about everything about Bitcoin. And he answers every single question with facts of the facts of the facts. And I mean, there is no other person in the world that comes even close to, to describe the things that he describes. So like already in 2015, he came out on a conference saying that Bitcoin is Turing complete, which means mm -hmm. that you can do smart contracts and token on it. And everybody was laughing at him and said, are ah, you crazy? Everybody knows that Bitcoin is not Turing complete. You cannot do smart contract on Bitcoin because you have to use Ethereum for that. Right. But now it is proven that Bitcoin, the original Bitcoin called BSV, Bitcoin Satoshi Vision, is actually Turing complete in four different ways. So he was right 2015. And that thing after thing after thing that he explains that you don't understand it the first day, but after a year or two years, when you listen back to it, it says, oh yeah, he was right back then. So it's I definitely think Jeff and I are out of our depth on any of this. We are <laughs> yeah. not touring complete. So don't believe me. Don't we believe will look me at into all. it. Check it. Check it. Check <laughs> no. the website. Check the Bitcoin white paper and the functionality with how BTC is working. And BTC is, is not working. It's not scaling. It's very expensive. The only thing you can use is for uh, speculation. Mm. Now well, you're going to get a lot of comments. <laughs> yeah. Hey, no, it's really interesting. Your inbox is going to explode now. <laughs> yeah. Good to understand the thinking there. Well, last question, pretty easy one. Stefan, what are you going to do next after the podcast? I'm going to continue working now to do everything I missed <laughs> before today. So following up by email, writing contracts and meetings and presentations I have to do next week and so on. So we have a number of customer prospects that are super interested in start using our system. So that's I it. bet. Hey there, NFT Space Cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com it's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe, it's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service, soup-to-nuts, end-to-end, whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes you Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. 
Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. All right. Well, uh, not a done. surprise, but we really appreciate you sharing all those insights. And that's Edge Quick Hitters for today, y'all. What do you say we hit a hot topic or two? Sounds great. So let's hit the first one here. Hot topic. Blue chip NFT project Moonbirds signs with <laughs> Hollywood talent agents UTA. The NFT focused company was founded by early stage Facebook and Twitter investor Kevin Rose and designer Justin Mazel in February 22. The company has also has the Proof Collective and Oddities NFT collections in its catalog. Yeah, they're definitely doing well. We'll put it that way. Heard a little chuckle from Stefan over there. Have you been following Moonbirds? What are your thoughts? No, what does Satoshi think of Moonbirds? I'm not following them. I just the name. <laughs> Moonbird. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. To the moon. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> For me, that's it's just a big scam. Sorry to say, but it's well, nothing else than a pyramid scheme trying to find a more stupid buyer. Sorry, but <laughs> it's yeah, a speculation think, game. Right, right. And I think, though, that there's some interesting things happening there where there's been a lot of moves into entertainment, mm -hmm. whether it's music or film yeah. or these projects that kind of bridge the gap there, the animated series and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's interesting to see where it will go once Hollywood really has its arms around mm -hmm. <laughs> some of these projects, whether it's like Gary Vee's V Friends and what he's trying to do there or the projects from Yuga Labs. I'm curious to see where it goes, where they can take things. Because we know, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of motivation there to try to bring things to the masses, which basically creates value for these very large companies and these very large agencies. And if there's value there, I think these guys may be able to ultimately unearth it for the most legitimate projects. But I guess time will tell on those. An interesting move on their part, though. I have this measure stock that if you create a token and you want people to buy this token because you're going to do a project for music or board apes or whatever... Then it's just a speculation vehicle and pump and dump scheme that. But as I said, there is a lot of projects and companies in BSV that actually is building with the music industry, with the bloggers and floggers and all of that, and actually building system. But they are not selling a token to anyone to invest in. They are building the technology for the users. When they buy music, they get the token and they can now pay directly to the artists or to everybody involved in that. So using it in the right way, but not as an investment vehicle. I had advisors who wanted me to do that with Unisort a couple of years ago to create this token and you get millions of billions into your company and you can build whatever you like. But luckily, mm. I didn't do that because SEC will come to you. Like we see now with Binance and everybody that SEC, they are slow, but they are coming like three, four years later, they will come knock on your door because you have now unsecured, unregistered securities. and. Right. That's not allowed for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to, to bang down on the Moonbird. I don't know Moonbird, so I shouldn't say anything about them, but in general, NFT. Again, time will tell, right? Yes. And we know that for sure, right? So definitely next, a fascinating space. We got another one for Stefan to rip apart. <laughs> <laughs> so YouTuber Logan Paul's Crypto Zoo <laughs> NFT yes. project is a total mess. Given Logan Paul's dubious history on YouTube, it probably doesn't come to surprise. CryptoZoo NFT project has allegedly turned to be a scam, allegedly. Some okay. investors end up losing half a million dollars, according to an independent YouTube reporter, CoffeeZilla. Development of CryptoZoo has been stalled due to alleged non-payment of coders. What did I say? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Right. Yeah, it's, it is, I'd say, definitely a mess. One thing I think 
that's good, at least, I think, for the folks that are involved. There's a lot of folks are talking about, it, including Logan Paul, and he'll answer questions about it and explain what was going on there and where mistakes were made on a bunch of different accounts. And I think it seems to be transparent and open about what was happening there. Now, the perspective on what did the developers do or not do, what were they owed or not owed, I think there's a lot of subjectivity there. So you, know, you really have to take all sides, I guess, into account when trying to figure out what happened there. But I think it's cool, at least, that the folks involved are like willing to talk about it openly and explain their side of the story. And there's somewhere probably in the middle that's the truth there. But I did hear that they are trying to continue the project. And there's a few things they got to wrap up there, but that it is happening in the background. So again, time will tell, right? Is it something he's going to be able to deliver on and make real and create value based on all of his intellectual property for his followers? I don't know. TBD. Yeah, I think the dangerous thing here, specifically with a famous person like him, is that he has a lot of followers that have no idea what they are investing in and, and think, okay, because it's him, I'm going to invest. And then they're investing more than they should. And now they're effed and lost maybe their whole saving account and pension account and everything. And for me, it's so super obvious that don't do that. Don't put yeah. your money into this. But everybody wants to be quick, rich, rich, quick. So they are very tempted to do this, of course. But as like in any casino, the house is winning every single time. So that maybe or sometimes maybe the house a, is losing too. Everybody just gets, <laughs> everybody kind of gets consumed. I'm sure by there the is. I know. I'm sure there are some guys making money on this, maybe some consultants and some developers or something like that. So. I don't yeah. know the story exactly about, but... Well, I think the interesting point here, and I think there's a trend of this in some of these NFT projects and crypto projects, and there's a sort of like a tongue-in-cheek aspect to mm -hmm. it. But at the same time, it doesn't help from the outside perspective. Crypto Zoo is kind of feels like what it's turning out to be in terms of it's a zoo of a bunch of different it is. You know, it things is. going yeah. on, and yeah. it's a bit of a mess. And yeah, the one thing to Logan Paul's, I don't want to say credit, but something... He's generating value through what he does, like by having yeah, all of these absolutely. viewers, entertaining people, whatever it is that he's doing, you know, it's generating value for the platforms that he's on, be yeah. it, you yeah, know, yeah, YouTube yeah. or Twitter I, or whatever. I so wish that he could do that mm -hmm. in a real way. Right. Ask some real experts on this. Mm -hmm. Not some NFT experts, but some real financial experts. So there are companies, there are experts in this out in the world and crypto is new. NFT is new, or actually not. Crypto is not new. Crypto existed already in the 90s. Well, thousands of cryptos already then, but most of them were centralized. So it's nothing new. And the way of doing these scams, as I call them, is not new either. I mean, you had the same with uh, stocks. You have the same with everything else before crypto. It's just another medium now. It's crypto. And everybody thinks it's new and innovative, but it's the same methodology as always. That's it for our hot topics today. <laughs> Stefan's been sorry a, for this for ripping them. I apart. don't think you need to apologize at all. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. this is one of the benefits of our program is that we like to give a voice to all the different sides of what's going on. And so I'm sure our listeners will appreciate hearing your opinions. You are gonna get some nice emails after this. <laughs> Be sure Thank of you. It. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've been in other shows as well and their mailboxes explodes, specifically when I mentioned the like Craig Wright and Original right. Bitcoin protocol, Bitcoin SV, and so on. 
So our next segment is our shout out segment, which we have a little bit of fun with lately. And I understand you have a couple of people you'd like to give a shout out to for that. Yeah, I have to give a shout out to my wife, my co-founder, actually. So we started this company as a family company. So it's my wife and my daughter as well. Should shout out to her as well. But specifically to my wife, and she has supported me in this, and we are working together in this. So we already had a couple of companies together, so we work very fine together. And I couldn't have done it without her support because I'm working like 16 hours a day. And without her help and approval, it shouldn't work at all. So she's my right hand, my personal assistant, and doing everything I can do. So shout out to her, first of all. And then, of course, I have to give a shout out to Satoshi Nakamoto. Craig Stephen Wright, the inventor of Bitcoin. Without him, we wouldn't be here at all talking about this. He, for me, he created one of the most important inventions in man history, in recent history. It's up there with penicillin, with electricity, with computers, with everything. And it's going to revolutionize the world even more than internet have done. Everybody's using internet now, but soon everybody will use uh, blockchain as a back-end mm. functionality, the piping of everything. Awesome. That's the two persons, yeah. We appreciate the shout outs, Stefan. And before we break for this episode, let's make sure folks know where to go to follow you and everything that's happening. Where should we send them? Yeah, you can go to our websites. So unisot.com. Seafood chain is in Norway. So it's seafoodchain.no.com was taken. <laughs> abendum is abendum.com for triple enter accounting. And of course, we are on LinkedIn and Twitter and all social medias as well. My Twitter handle is Bitcoin Devotee. All right. So, uh, Check them it. out, y'all. So again, Stefan, we really do appreciate it. So I think that'll be a wrap on today's sponsored Spotlight episode. Again, lots of good nuggets in there. So we've reached out our limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Also, look us up on all major social platforms by typing Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective with deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.